Hey everybody, welcome to Northridge Church Online. So I want you to know that Northridge Church is a safe place for you, no matter where you are with God. Maybe you've been walking with God, you've had a relationship with Jesus for a long time. Or maybe you're new to faith in Jesus. Or maybe you're not sure if you have a relationship with, with God, with Jesus. Or maybe you are one of those that you know you don't have a relationship with God, and it's because you're not sure if you believe in God or believe in Jesus. Well, regardless of where you are on that spectrum, we want you to know this is a safe place for you. We look forward to whatever questions you have to explore your faith. So thanks for being here. Well, we are currently in a series called The Home Run Life. And the home run life is all about the life that God wants you to have. It's the one that he has offered to you and he wants everyone to experience. So let's quickly review what we've talked about so we know where we've been and where we're going. So the home run life is very simply four parts to it, four major parts. And what we're doing is we're using baseball as the simple metaphor to help us understand what the home run life really is. So let's talk about the four parts with baseball as our metaphor. So everything begins and ends at home plate. Home plate is connect with God. This is where we get our power and our direction in order to get the rest of the bases in order to get the home run life. First base is character. It's the base that we talked about last week. This is where we win within. This is where we win in the personal side or the personal part of our life. This is integrity. This is honesty. This is intentionality in our life. So the character base. Getting on first base or getting our character right gives us power to win the second base, which is community. This is where we win with others, win in our relationships. That's actually the base we're going to be talking about today. And then winning there will help us power to get to third base, which is where we win results, where we win success. We win competence. This is where we have success in all areas of our life, not just one or two areas, not just in our career, not just in you know, the possessions that we have or our fame or our power, but this is where we have success in every area of our life. We win success. And then everything, again, as I said, begins and ends with God. It begins and ends at home, home plate. And so we have to all come back to God, begin and end with God. This is where we win significance. It's how we have the full home run life, all the way around the bases, beginning and ending, and in the right order. So today we're going to talk about that second base, community, how to win in our relationships. Now, let me ask you this. What is the scoring position in baseball? Everybody knows once you get a runner to second base, they are in scoring position. What that means is very simply, if there's a good hit by the batter that's up at home plate, it's a really good possibility, it's even likely we could say, that the runner from second will be able to cross home plate and score a run. So the question that we have to ask today and answer is, how do we get our lives in scoring position? How do we get to second base to where we can actually see and experience the home and life? 
Well, I want to share a principle that Pastor Kevin Meyer shares. He's the one that came up with this home run life theory and, and the book and all the stuff that he shares. But he shares a very powerful principle that we need to start with today. I just want to read it for you. He says this. He says, figure out what counts on the last day so that you know what to count every day. That is a powerful statement. Find out what counts on the last day so we know what to count every day. Why is this such an important principle? Well, it's actually very simple. What we focus on, what our priorities are, is what we are about. It's what our life is about. And so when you think about our priorities and our focus, our perspective, what is that? Is it focused on the most important things? For example, did you know that in God's Word, in the Bible, God tells us that three things, there's only three things that are going to last forever. God, God's Word, the Bible, Scripture, and people. Those are the only three things that God says will last forever. God, God's Word, and people. And the question is, are we being focused? Are we staying focused completely on those things? For some of us, we would have to admit, we are spending a lot of time and a lot of money and a lot of energy on things that are simply, according to God, going to be destroyed. They're going to be wasted away. They're going to rot. They're not going to last forever. And so our significance will go away with those things. So how do we stay focused on the things that matter the most? Well, I want to share one other principle with you, and it is this. We need to love people and use things, not love things and use people. Did you catch that? What we tend to do as human beings is we tend to use people to get things. We need to reverse that. We need to love people and just use things to do that. Now, I don't know about you, but this is a hard concept to get. That everything has less value than God and people. And the reason it's hard is because I don't know about you, but I like my things. How do you guys like your things? I like our possessions. I like my possessions. I'll bet you love your possessions too. We like these things. And it's hard for us to imagine that things are going to be destroyed, that things are going to go away, that the things we're investing in are going to not have value at some point in the future because it takes a lot of time and energy to do that. Let me give you an example. So just a couple of weeks ago, our church did a challenge. We called it the Tower Challenge. We're doing uh, an activity or a challenge every week just to stay engaged, just to have some fun in these quarantined, you know, lockdown pandemic times. Well, the challenge was to build a tower out of whatever you wanted to, and then take a picture or video of it and post it. Well, a lot of you guys got involved in that. Well, my children and I, we decided that we wanted to build the tallest tower that we could out of Legos. Let me tell you, we had a lot of fun doing this. In fact, this Lego tower reached 10 feet tall. Do you want to see it? Here's a picture of it. Yeah, this tower, this was awesome. Let me just tell you, this was so much fun to build. And so we did it. We actually ended up having to move it into the middle of our house in our kitchen where the tallest point of our house is, which reaches 10 feet. 
And so we built this tower and, and here's what's funny. Our kids wanted to leave it up and see how long it would stand. Every now and then we'd come downstairs and it had moved a little bit, you know, it was leaning one side or the other, but it actually lasted several days until one day I was walking upstairs carrying this big easel. And when I went around the corner to go around one of the walls, I swung that easel around and the leg just barely caught the Lego tower. And you guessed it, it came crashing down with a huge loud crash. Legos went everywhere. And the kids were doing their schoolwork, Laura was working in the kitchen, and everybody stopped and just their jaw dropped. And there were a few groans. Well, why were there groans? Well, you probably figured out because it was so hard to see that huge Lego tower that we spent so much time, so much energy, so much effort on. It was destroyed. It was completely destroyed in one second. One thing knocked it over. Well, I share that because I think that that's the same dynamic we all struggle with too as human beings. And that is we spend days weeks, months, years, even decades, investing in things, investing in endeavors, investing in projects, things that are not going to last. And what God says is in order to have the home run life, we need to spend the majority of our time and our energy and our effort on things that are going to last forever. God, God's word, and people relationships. And so the question becomes, if we're going to focus on these things, where does that leave us? Well, I want to share with you Ephesians chapter 5 verses 1 and 2 that tells us how to keep our focus properly on those things. This is what it says. It says, imitate God or be like God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, Following the example of Christ, he loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. Very simply, what is this saying? It's saying, be like God. Well, how do we do that? Love other people as God loves us. What that means is that we are to love other people unconditionally, because that's how God loves you and I. He loves us without condition. He loves us perfectly. Now, can we love each other perfectly? No. But the goal is to love as God loves. So, the next question is, if we are going to love as God loves, if we're going to love people and, and win in our relationships, the question is, how do we do that? Because it's a great theory, it's a great idea, but how do we practically pull that off? Well, I want to offer three things, three suggestions to you today for how to do that. The first one is this. Keep your word. Keep your word. Another way of saying this is, do what you say and say what you do. And leave it there. There doesn't need to be any more than that. It doesn't need to be any more complicated than that. And there's one word that tells us why that's important. Why we need to do what we say and say what we do. That one word, you guys know it well, it's trust. Everything in our world is built on trust. 
Think about it. Every relationship that you have is built on trust. Every business deal is built on trust. Our entire economy is built on trust. Everything in our world is built on trust. And here's what we know on the flip side of that same coin. When trust is broken, marriages fail. Nations fall. Businesses crumble. Relationships are hurt. Trust is the key. Trust is the foundation. And if we lose the foundation, we lose the ability to win in our relationships. Let me give you another illustration. So back in the year 2014, about six years ago, uh, one of the biggest news stories of that year was when a huge sinkhole opened up underneath the Corvette Museum in the state of Kentucky. Some of you maybe remember that. This huge sinkhole opened up and thankfully it happened early on in the morning so nobody was in the room. Here's a picture of that so you can see it. It's a huge, massive sinkhole. What's interesting is it swallowed up eight vintage Corvettes, beautiful cars. Now here's a picture of the three or four of the cars in that pit. They look like toy cars, don't they, compared to the size of that sinkhole? What's interesting is the Corvette Museum, the, the people in charge of that, they decided once they pulled the cars out that they would not restore six out of eight of them. Two of them they restored because they weren't damaged that badly, but six of them were basically destroyed beyond repair. And what they decided to do is, instead of getting rid of them, they decided to make a display in the new museum that they built that they kind of put the foundation, created all this thing, and they put these cars in there. Here's a picture of those. Really, really crazy to see what this one sinkhole did to these cars. So why do I bring this up? Well, it's actually quite simple again. This is a perfect illustration for our relationships when we do not keep our word. What causes a sinkhole? Very simply, erosion underneath the surface slowly takes out the integrity of the ground above it. And eventually what happens with a sinkhole is the erosion causes a collapse, sometimes of epic proportions. And the destruction can be huge. The same is true in our relationships. If we do not keep our word, then we're eroding the foundation of that relationship. And eventually, what was once hidden from everybody else will become very public, will become very visible, and the destruction will be huge. We have to keep our word. That's how we can win in our relationships, win with others. But then there's a second thing that we need to be able to do or to learn about. And that is this. We need to keep your calendar focused on relationships, focused on people. What we do in our calendar, and I would add one other thing to this, what we do with our checkbook is what our focus is. Now we can say all kinds of different things. For example, I can tell my wife Laura all day, every day, hey, I love you. But the truth is, if I never do anything else beyond say, I love you, if I never spend time with her, if I never give her gifts, if I never show her how much I love her, if I never prove that I actually love her, then what is she going to start feeling about my words? 
Well, you guys already know. Number one, I'm going to get the look, right? You guys, everybody knows what the look is. I'm going to get the look. We don't want the look. But what else is going to happen? She's going to stop trusting that my words are true. She's not going to believe that when I say I love you, she's not going to believe that. Why? Because my actions, my time, my energy do not prove it. They prove otherwise. Well, the same is true of our calendar. And as I said, I want to add our checkbook. What we do with our time, what we do with our money, shows what our true focus is in life. So I want to encourage you, keep your calendar, keep your checkbook, keep your time and your money and your energy focused on what is going to matter the most. And that is the people around you and your relationship with God. What's the third thing? Let me share the third thing with you very quickly, and then we'll end with a story. The third thing in order to be able to win with our relationships, and to be honest, before I give this to you, this is the tough one. This is going to be the one that you're, you're probably going to hear when, I hear when you hear this, when I tell you this, you're not going to want to listen to it. You're not going to want to do this. It's a hard one. The third thing is to keep short accounts. Keep short accounts. Forgiveness. So I wanted to share with you, Pastor Kevin Myers, the guy, again, who came up with this Home Run Life series, he also wrote a book called Home Run. This is actually what it looks like. So in this book, Pastor Kevin shares that it was very difficult for him to forgive his father. His father, early on in his life, divorced his mother. But not only that, but Kevin still desired to have a relationship with him. But every time he would reach out to his father, then he would get nothing in return. And so as a result, basically, Kevin didn't have a relationship with his dad. And so he had a hard time offering forgiveness to his dad. But when Kevin finally got into his 30s, he actually did forgive his father. But it wasn't until he met another guy named John, who became his mentor in life, that he realized what it really looked like to keep short accounts, to offer forgiveness completely and freely. He talks about how his relationship with John, his mentor, changed his whole life. And I want to share actually what he says in this book, in the middle of this book. Listen to his words because what I'm about to share are some of the most powerful words you will ever hear next to Scripture. These are amazing. They're hard to hear. But I hope that you'll just listen to these and let these sink in. This is Pastor Kevin writing about himself. He says, I forgave my father by the time I was in my early 30s. He had not asked for it. But knowing that Christ has forgiven me all the wrongs I have done, what else could I do? It wasn't until I entered into a mentoring relationship with John, however, that I realized what someone looked like who had no baggage of bitterness. At first, I was skeptical. Understandably, right? I thought, there must be something. Without John's knowing it, I decided I would investigate how he dealt with so many people in life and ministry who had vomited their anger on him, betrayed his trust, stolen from him, or lied to him. I found nothing. What was his secret? Again, it was simple. Keep short accounts. John's advice was pure gold. 
I cannot tell you how it changed everything in my life. Before, I had kept score with everyone. Now I let things go. And then he asked this question. Why is this so important to let things go, to not let bitterness reign in my life? He says this, People who keep short accounts don't carry a wounded spirit, so they are not easily hurt. They don't lash out. They trust and keep adding value to others. Curiously, they end up living freer than everyone else. Then I want to share the last couple of sentences that he writes on this page. Listen to these. Lean into this. Kevin says, I wish I could give this gift to you. Let it go. Forget about it. And what you cannot forget, just forgive. It will change all your relationships. And if you've done wrong to others, repent and ask them for forgiveness. Those are strong words, but so good. In Hebrews chapter 12, verses 14 and 15, it says this. It says, work at living in peace with everyone. Notice that it says work at it. It's not going to just happen. It's not going to be easy. Work at it. Work at living in peace with everyone and work at living a holy life. Again, not going to just happen. Work at it. Work at living a holy life. For those who are not holy will not see the Lord. Look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Did you notice that? Look after each other in order to receive the grace of God. That's one of the avenues. And then it says, watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. Did you notice what it called bitterness? Bitterness? It said it was poison. A poisonous root. Something that is deep. A root goes deep. It is poisonous. It can destroy you. It will destroy you. Bitterness will completely eat you from the inside out if you let it. The only way to release bitterness in your life toward other people is forgiveness. Forgiveness. Well, many of us have heard the story of Corrie ten Boom. She was a young girl who lived during World War II in Europe. And if you've never heard her story, her family, her and her family, were responsible for smuggling many, many, many Jews out of Europe during the Nazi reign of terror during World War II. Well, this all kept going, and they were able to save many, many lives until somebody that they knew, somebody they were close to, betrayed them to the Nazis. And so at that point, of course, the Nazis arrested them and put them on a train and sent them to a concentration camp. At this concentration camp, sadly, Corrie ten Boom and her family were tortured. Most of Corrie's family were murdered. Corrie herself actually came close to death multiple times at this concentration camp, but she survived. 
And she tells her story through her journals, through the books that she's written, and through the speaking that she did after World War II. And her message, what was her main message throughout all of those things, throughout her books, throughout the times that she would speak to huge groups of people, her message was one and the same. Forgiveness. Release the bitterness that you have toward other people who have done you wrong. If anybody can understand forgiveness and how releasing bitterness can save your life, Corey understands. But then there's another interesting moment in her story. So as I said, after World War II and after she survived, she began to share her book and share her story all over the world. Well, not that long after World War II ended, she was sharing and and speaking in a large auditorium. And as soon as she was done, she went down to the front, as she always did. And as a lot of times would happen, a lot of people filed down to be able to meet her and talk to her and congratulate her on her wonderful uh, speech or, or story or communication. Well, in this one instance, a man approached her. And as soon as Corey saw his face, she knew immediately who he was. He was one of the main guards in charge of the section in the concentration camp where her and her family were tortured and so many of them killed. This man had directly hurt them in that concentration camp. He was directly responsible for the death of some of her family members. And Corey recognized him immediately. And she was amazed at what happened next. The soldier, the man, reached out his hand to shake her hand. And he asked this question. He said, aren't you glad that God forgives everything? Corey was frozen. She was stuck. She didn't know what to do. But then, in a few moments, a prayer that God gave to her began to well up from deep within her. And this is the prayer that she records that she thought about in that moment. The prayer was, Lord, please help me to live the forgiveness throughout my life and in this moment. Well, I'm glad to say that Corey, in that moment, it took her a few moments to do, but in that moment, she extended her hand to that soldier who had hurt her so badly and she offered him forgiveness. What a powerful, powerful example and statement. So I know those of you watching and listening, we could share stories of bad deals, of people who lied to us, people who abused us, people who manipulated us, things that that were done to us and things that happened to us that we did not ask for, that was not our fault. We could all probably tell stories of that. But my encouragement to you today is forgive. Forgiveness. Just like Corey, the only way to truly be free of the anger and the bitterness and the pain and the shame to release it. Now I want to be clear. With you forgiving somebody that did something to you, you're not saying it was okay. 
It's not that we should not want justice. We should. God is a God of love and justice. This is not saying, yeah, we're just going to forget about it and just let it go. What it is, is forgiveness is not about the other person. The forgiveness is about you. Forgiveness is for you. Forgiveness is about you releasing the pain and the bitterness and the anger that you've been holding on to. It's about releasing the control that that person has over your soul, your emotions, and your outlook and future. Forgiveness. Release the bitterness so that you can live a freer life, the home run life. That's my encouragement to you today in order to win in our relationships to win with others. Let me pray for you. God, I thank you for everyone who has joined here today or is listening or is watching even after this has been uh, played and recorded. God, I pray for myself and everybody that, that you would help us to offer forgiveness, to truly allow things to go, to release them. Even though we may not be able to ever forget, we can forgive. God, if there's anybody that has been living with hatred and bitterness and anger in their life, I pray that they would be able to have the strength and the courage and the boldness to offer forgiveness. Maybe there's some who are listening or watching today who they know that they're the ones that did the wrong. Maybe they need to go and take the first step of courage and offer an apology. Whatever needs to be done, God, give us the strength and the courage to do it so that we can win in our relationship, so that we can win where it matters the most in the things that are going to last forever, you and people. I pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Well, as always, I want you to know, I love you. God loves you. And now let's run the bases in the right order and let's be the light by winning in our relationships. Thank you.